Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today I'm joined by Ann Bogey with Oklahoma Project Woman to learn more about how this nonprofit organization is expanding access to breast health care in our state. Thanks so much for being here, Ann. Absolutely, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. I want to start by telling our listeners a bit more about you. Anne is the executive director of Oklahoma Project Woman. The organization was founded in 1998 to help facilitate the early diagnosis of breast cancer and decrease the mortality rate for individuals who are uninsured or have limited financial resources by providing access to breast health care. Through partnerships with breast healthcare institutions around Oklahoma, the statewide comprehensive program provides access to mammograms, diagnostic procedures, and surgical services at no charge. And first tell us more about why this work you do is so critical and so needed in Oklahoma. Well, I think Aaron, um, probably the first statistic um, that a lot of people are very aware of is that more than 15% of Oklahomans do not have health insurance. And we know um, that one in eight women will get breast cancer over their lifetime. We know that one in 800 men will get breast cancer. But unfortunately, when you have limited health insurance or no health insurance and little financial resources, we know that you are not likely to get the critical care that you need, either from a preventative standpoint, but also from a diagnostic standpoint. You know, so many times we'll hear women um, say that, well, gosh, I don't know anybody in my family that had breast cancer, so I'm sure that I'm safe. But what we've really learned is that probably less than 20% of people diagnosed with breast cancer today have a, a link, if you will, to a, to a family member um, or have any kind of genetic predisposition um, to get breast cancer. So we always say that the two most common risk factors are being over 40 and being a woman um, and, and getting older. So therefore, those are the two things that we really can't do much to stop, obviously. So that's those are the very people that we target and make sure that no health insurance is never a reason not to get those preventative mammograms. So tell us, how, how does Oklahoma Project Woman find and identify the people who need your services? And then what are the parameters for a person to qualify? Okay. And so to qualify for our program, we ask that you have no health insurance um, and are not on Medicare or Medicaid. Um, and, and that includes the recently expanded Medicaid because ultimately th through that, you have another way to receive a mammogram. We also ask that your income is 185% of the federal poverty level, um, which is, um, again, um, established by the federal government, and it depends on the number of people in your family and dependents. But ultimately, most of our patients come to us through clinics. And those are clinics. We have 115 clinics that we partner with across the state of Oklahoma. And um, right there in Oklahoma County, we have more than 10. 
And they are clinics that perhaps already see a group of um, in the community that doesn't have health insurance, and they really kind of target the same populations that we do. Um, if we receive phone calls or messages through our website, anything like that, um, we ultimately refer those patients to the clinic. And then they're, they are simply given um, a breast exam and then a piece of paper um, that almost acts as an insurance card, and then they can and turn around and take that um, voucher or that certificate to any of the participating hospitals. And they can either receive just a mammogram, um, which many of our patients, that's all they need. And then they're given that clean bill of health and peace of mind. But some might need to go a step further and have some additional mammograms or an ultrasound. Some might have to move to the biopsy phase and some might have to go all the way to the surgery phase if they're diagnosed. And But the, the nice thing is, is that once you have that piece of paper in your hand, Oklahoma Project Woman is going to pay for all of that, all the way through uh, a surgery. So what, what has been the overall impact of the organization? Give us an idea of how many people you have been able to help. You know what, since the beginning, like you mentioned, we started in 1998, um, as of just a week ago, I ran those exact numbers and we've helped close to 69,000 women um, across the state and have diagnosed 906 patients with breast cancer. At the same time, though, I, you know, sometimes we... And um, we talk about the 906 that we diagnosed with breast cancer as like a really um, impactful number, which it is. We were, are thrilled to find it and to be able to help those ladies get the treatment they need and all of that. At the same time, I don't ever want to sell us short that we gave, you know, 68,000 people that, that peace of mind and um, because that peace of mind is also um, for ladies, single moms, that's a huge um, relief and a burden taken off of them. That is incredible. Um, walk us through to what does this look like on a more personal level? Can you share the story of an individual who has walked through breast cancer with the support of Oklahoma Project Woman? Absolutely. Um, I can think of... Um, Gosh, I can think of, of a lot of people, but there was a lady that we interviewed not too long ago, and she um, she did have a family history and um, had waited and waited and was not aware of our program. She worked full time. She was a single mom and all of her children had some type of health insurance, but she did not have any. Her comment was, you know, kind of that classic, I make just enough money to put food on the table and a roof over our head. But she said, my sister who lived in another state kept telling me, you have to go get a mammogram with our history of mom and grandma. So she ultimately, she was scared to death, which I understand, um, but she came in, she got a mammogram. Um, unfortunately, she got the news that it looked suspicious. So we went, went ahead and she had a biopsy. And I think the whole time she was just so fascinated that she was able to get in, that she was at the same doctors that everybody else was going to. And ultimately that there really was no cost to her. And um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer at a very, very early stage and um, had a mastectomy and um, did not need to do any kind of further treatment. She just had the mastectomy 
And um, we still hear from her and how grateful um, she was not only for the fact that the care was, um, you know, the complete care, that it was completely free, but as she wrote in one of her notes, that she was treated with the utmost dignity and respect, which, gosh, I, I always, you know, I believe that that is absolutely how we treat people, but I think sometimes um, our patients assume that because this is a program um for people that don't have health insurance, that they're somehow going to be treated um, less. And gosh, that's that's so not true. So it was nice to hear her say that. That is so incredible. And I you know what, as you were talking, what really struck me is her saying, I'm going to the same doctors, the same clinics as, as everybody else I know. Um, and the fact that you're able to provide that level of care, um, the best care that is available to individuals in our state is uh, so inspiring. Um, and like you said, I don't want to sell you short on the 68,000 people right. that you're able to give that peace of mind to. I know what that feels like personally to be able to walk um, out of a mammogram and know everything's okay for another year. Um, and absolutely. you can't put a price tag on that either. Absolutely. And Aaron, you know, the one thing that I will say too, is that we are so thankful. We, as I mentioned, we partner with 115 clinics, but then we also partner with almost 60 hospitals across the state. And not only the hospitals, but those um, radiologists that are reading the mammograms, the surgeon, the anesthesiologist, the pathologist, really anybody that it touches the patient, um, you know, that has any part in the patient's care. And we do, so ultimately all of the money raised goes right back to those medical facilities. But I want to make it really clear that that is not a lot of money. And we do not reimburse. We certainly don't reimburse like an insurance company, but we reimburse a little bit what we can afford and they accept it as payment in full. So our numbers are the same across the board. So, you know, doctors in Tulsa and Enid and Ardmore in Oklahoma City, that everybody makes the exact same. But again, they accept that as payment in full and then agree to write off the rest so that the patient is absolutely billed nothing. Um, and Obviously, without them and their generosity, and um, we we couldn't exist. So we're I'm we're so very thankful. And um, at the same time, they also realize that if we um can create that awareness and make sure that those ladies are seen early on in in the you know for if it is breast cancer, heaven forbid it's much better and, and it's much less costly. And those poor ladies are not arriving in the emergency room with a much later stage disease. So, um, you know, our belief is that trying to get the ladies in early really benefits everyone, but most importantly, the patient. What a great testament to um, kind of that Oklahoma spirit of people Absolutely. coming together and and creating these relationships that benefit the community as a whole. Absolutely. And, you know, Aaron, we always say that um, the money that we raise in a community stays in a community, goes back to the medical facilities in that community. Um, so, it, I mean, it can be narrowed down to really each of the 77 counties helping themselves. 
Now, there are some counties that might not have a hospital or they might not have a major funder. And so there's there's always a little bit of blend over, I guess you would say. But um, you're exactly right. The Oklahoma spirit just really kind of shines through. And I know the impact of what you do every day is very personal for you as you have battled breast cancer and are battling it again. How has that journey impacted your work and vice versa? Well, I think um, it's obviously something that I am very passionate about. Um, I, I would say that most of my passion really started early on um, because I was diagnosed at 29 and my mom was diagnosed 10 months after I was. And it became very apparent that we had great health insurance. We never had to ask the, the doctor, well, how much would this cost? And should I do this instead? And it really struck me that there were, that it was such a traumatic event for our family, yet the financial piece never played a part of it. And I thought, how easy would it be for my mom and I to be in this situation and then have the financial burden for us just to walk away and say, we couldn't do the treatment. Um, unfortunately, my mom's came back um, just two years when she was just two years out and she passed away at 62. That was actually when I joined the, or the organization really more as a volunteer. And I um, probably felt in that, that very typical feeling of I need to do something that matters. I, um, I want to make a difference and I want to make sure that nobody else has to lose their mom. And so it was really much more probably that motivation because I think anybody who has ever had any kind of illness, to me, you always feel more in control when it's your illness as opposed to a loved one's illness. And so I think it was that out of control feeling that I had for my mom that um, really kind of spurred me on to, to do something that mattered and do something that helped um so many women who I felt deserved really the same outcome that I had and, and not what my mom had. And then I have been and steadfast and making sure I've always got my mammograms and every year. And then this past June, um, I went in and immediately the doctor said, well, gosh, Ann, we, we think we need to do a biopsy. Well, I was <laughs> so naive, which sounds kind of funny. I thought, a biopsy on who I, I'm thinking, is she, are we talking business? Is she, is the doctor come in here to talk about a patient? And I, I actually said on who, and she looked at me funny and said, well, on you. Um, and again, I still um, couldn't believe it. At the same time, I thought, well, I've always said that your two biggest risk factors are being a woman and getting older. And so now I'm 54. I am, it's a totally different breast cancer than the first time. So I had a double mastectomy, really hoped that I wouldn't have to go through chemo and lose my hair, but that was not how those cards fell. And so I did. And I think um, it has made me kind of um, put a smile on my face and be strong, even when I didn't necessarily feel as strong, because I want women to know that if you are diagnosed, it's not a death sentence. You can do the chemo. 
you can do the radiation. It is, it is not just the most fun thing you'll ever do, but honestly, Aaron, the strides that they have made in the 25 years since the last time I had chemo were, were life-changing. Mm -hmm. I felt like I never missed a day of work. Um, and so I've tried to be very vocal and make sure that women, because I can promise you, I'm not some super extraordinary person. I mean, I, not in the best shape. I'm not. And I was able to really sail through chemo. And so I want to give women that hope um, so that if they're given the exact same, same diagnosis, they know, they know that as well. And I have um, really made my platform that to please get your mammogram. Um, I had, when I announced um, on social media that I had been diagnosed again, that was, you know, I said then so many of wonderful friends and family had reached out and said, what can we do? What can we do? And my comment was other than pray for my family, my husband, my four sons, you can get your mammogram because it really does matter. It really makes a difference. I feel very confident that I will be here 25 years from now because I know that I caught it early and that it it really does matter. So thank you so much for sharing your personal story. And I think you are such an inspiration and, and such a great encouragement to other women um, that there is hope even in the midst of really difficult, painful journeys in life. Um, and I, I just love that you have used that challenge, multiple challenges in your life, um, to, to really push you to do this work. That's so important every day. Thank you. Thank you very much. And then, and, you know, Aaron, as you and I kind of talked before, um, we started, you realize the older we get that everybody has different challenges in life and everyone a lot of times is given a platform for something might not necessarily be the platform that we had hoped for or that we thought we might be best. Um, but um, I think, you know, if this is, if this is my deal, then I want to um, try to encourage. Um, I know I was encouraged by so many people that, that walked this journey ahead of me. And I saw somebody say the other day that um, it was the worst club to be a part of, but it had the best members. And I thought that's a really great way to put it. So that's a really nice perspective. Um, yeah. And you shared a little bit of encouragement, but I want to ask you for those listeners who are just right in the midst of a difficult diagnosis, a treatment plan, a health condition at those really difficult places that both you and I are familiar with, um, what what additional advice would you give them or give the, the people in their lives who love them to support them? Right. Um, I think, Erin, my, my biggest piece of advice are, is to um, sometimes talk to someone who's been there and because sometimes being real and candid with those that have been there is much easier than for perhaps your spouse who hasn't been there. Um, I would say the same thing to the spouses. Um, I remember when I was diagnosed the first time, there was actually a support group for the husbands. And because there was a lot of things that I think the husbands kind of wanted to know, you know, is this going to happen or that going to happen? But they didn't really want to ask their wife for fear that that might upset their wife. 
Um, but I think that there are so, and I, you know, I meet them every day. I met just a lovely couple in Oklahoma City a couple weeks ago. And, you know, she had a very similar story to mine. Her husband is very wonderful and passionate, knows about all of her treatments and all of those things. And I just thought there are so many people out there, um, just like me, who are willing to talk about their journey um, to help people know what questions to ask a doctor. And I have never been one of a huge support group, um, a huge support group advocate. But at the same time, I think that there are now so many different support groups out there. And there's an organization in Oklahoma City, and they do groups all around Oklahoma called Project 31. And um just it really makes you realize that although this seems like the worst thing in the world that other people have been at this exact point and now we're a month past it or two weeks past it and um that it really does get better yeah that's important perspective to have um especially in the midst of it right in addition to the message that we need to be getting our mammograms when we hit 40 and over what else do you want local moms and dads to know about caring for their own breast health? You know what? I would say that probably the most important thing is that you need to get your mammograms. And if you have a strong family history, for example, I do not have any daughters. Um, I also do not have the gene. And so that kind of changes things a little bit, um, even though with all of the breast cancer in my family, but again, probably speaks to the fact that a lot of people don't have the gene that are diagnosed. But I think the most important thing in particular with family history is to establish a relationship with a doctor. Because if I did have a daughter, because my breast cancer was at 29, um, if I had two or three daughters, they very well might have them do a baseline mammogram at 25 or 30. And those things change so much as research finds, uh, you know, finds more and more things out. Um, with gentlemen, we help um, usually 10 to 15 men a year. And we always just encourage them that um, if they find a lump in their breast tissue, just like a woman does, although it's usually much more obvious for a man, just because he doesn't have as much breast tissue, to please get it checked out um, sooner rather than later. Is is odd um, is that might have been 20 years ago. Now it's not that unusual to see men in the breast centers, um, you know, and a lot of times, um, you know, it's a very easy, if it is breast cancer, it's a very simple surgery and, and that is it. But men, unfortunately, just like women sometimes think, oh gosh, it's nothing and how embarrassing to go in and, and have people examine me when it's not. Um, it, it, it shouldn't be embarrassing and doctors see it all the time. So, um, but then I would also say that just an overall awareness and all of that preventative care is so important, not only for breast cancer, but for anything that your um, family medicine doctor is wanting to do in those tests and things, because anything caught early or in the very beginning is so much easier to treat. I know as moms, and I, I think dads deal with this too. Uh, we're so busy making sure our kids get to the doctor and 
you know, we have all the papers signed for school and all of that, that sometimes uh, we neglect our own health. And so this is a really good reminder. If you haven't had a physical in a while, if you have not right. had a mammogram in the last year, um, this is your reminder for our listeners to schedule those. And I would say too, to pay attention to um, your partner, your spouse, um, your loved ones around you and encourage them to make sure they're caring for their own health too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um, as you said, and it's usually a close friend or a family member that um, is kind of who encourages us to, to make those appointments. So you just never know how impactful your words can be to a friend or to a family member. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as now that I'm in my 50s, we I am starting to see you know, kind of sudden illnesses happen to, you know, various friends and family members. And um, it's scary, you know, what what you once thought was maybe just indigestion could be, um, you know, something more significant. And which is why I always just say you you need to have a relationship with a doctor and make sure you're you're doing those annual exams, whatever they may be. Mm -hmm. Definitely. As we close out our conversation today, and tell us how the community can get involved in supporting Oklahoma Project Women's Mission, or if someone needs healthcare, how they can get connected with you. I would say the best place um, for, for both of those would be just to go to our website. Um, it's oklahomaprojectwoman.org, kind of a long, long name, but just our organization name. We have lots of different fundraisers. We actually have a fundraiser coming up um, at the Devon Boathouse um, in April called Tatas and Teenies, which is for men and women. Um, it's, you know, used to be just a ladies night, but now we're getting a lot more men involved. One of the things that I am like to say is that our patient costs, so our cost to help just one lady is only $230. So a, a little bit can really go a long way. So, you know, for every person really that comes to that party and maybe buys a raffle ticket or two raffle tickets, that's one patient in Oklahoma County that we can provide all of the necessary breast health for. But also, Erin, on our Facebook page, or excuse me, also on our Facebook page, but on our website, you can see, um, you know, our office phone number if you'd like to call the office. It also shows all of our clinics. Um, if you need help and would like to visit a clinic, um, then you can do that as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today and for sharing about the incredible work that both you and the organization are doing around the state. Thank you, Erin. I, I appreciate you having me. For our listeners, like Ann said, you can learn more about Oklahoma Project Woman at oklahomaprojectwoman.org. Thanks everyone for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.